Hi everyone, producer Jane here, just dropping this special interview into your feed ahead of the Melbourne versus Sydney game at the MCG today, which of course includes the special Field of Women event to support Australians with breast cancer. Caro and Corrie spoke with Lynn Swinburne, founder of Breast Cancer Network Australia, on episode 48 recently. Now if you want to hear that whole episode, just scroll back in your podcast feed. And don't forget, you can make a donation to support the BCNA and today's event from anywhere in the world. Just jump online to bcna.org.au or follow the link in the show notes. Here's Caroline Wilson, Corrie Perkin and the wonderful Lynn Swinburne. We have a special guest this week, Corrie. I love it when we have a guest, Caro. The reason we're doing this is because, once again, the field of women is returning to the MCG. It's arriving on August the 12th. Melbourne plays Sydney in what is shaping up as a massive game for many reasons, but not least because we're going to be raising awareness again for the... Two two words to you, Caro. Pink poncho. (laughs) I've still got my first one. I've still got mine. We went together. Lynn Swinburne AM is the founder of the Breast Cancer Network Australia, which is what we are raising awareness for. Um, I think she founded it in 1996. Lynn was diagnosed in 1993 with breast cancer. She's also the chair of the Royal Women's Hospital and the first woman president of Royal Melbourne Golf Club. Lynn, how exciting to finally get you on the show. Yay! Welcome. Look, we're oh, thanks, Vance. How many presidents of royal things can one be in one's life? Well, I know. Royal family? I'm working. I know. I'm working on Looking that. Looking very tartan today, Liv. Oh, I guess you're off to a game of golf <laughs> after this. It's a weird look, the tartan, Lynn, isn't it? Lynn, one question, no, which not. has completely nothing yes. to do with breast cancer at all, but I've always had this thing about golf fashion. I've been mm. banging on about it for mm. years. The men look like clowns mm. and the women look like men. Not that you do today. <laughs> I actually what, think this might be a man's design, jumper, Rachel. <laughs> why can't they design, you, you know, smart clothing I for know. women? No. Well, I think there's some Swedish designers and stuff that have gorgeous clothes, but they're all size six and eight. And, you know, that would barely fit one leg of me. I love golf so, shoes. Those, those lovely sort of broguish sort of yeah. things you all wear. I think they're fabulous. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll pay I you like 100 them. bucks if you wear one out to a cocktail party well, one Well, I don't have the legs, but my daughter wears them and they look great. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, get, slightly off topic there. Getting Lynn. back to the field of women. Um, look, it's, it's Sunday, August the 12th, as I just said. This is going to be a really big game, Lynn, because Melbourne mm. need to win. Sydney mm. are probably going to need to win to keep their finals hopes alive. I want to take you back, though, to the first field of women Mm. and talk to you about how on earth you came up with this extraordinary idea of getting how many women and men into the middle of the MCG, was it? I think it was 12 or it might have been even 14,000. See, um, when we started BCNA back in 1998 in Canberra, we planted 10,000 pink silhouettes on the grounds in front of um, Parliament House. Who came up with that logo? Well, actually, I had been working with a couple of young students from Swinburne Tech in those days from their design school. Brilliant. It, it is brilliant, brilliant, isn't it? Because it's it's no one but everyone. Do you know what I mean? And actually, when you put all those little pink silhouettes together side by side, they all hold hands. It's divine, they're which is really... And they're, and they're quite joyful for, they us, are. for what can be a, an incredibly distressing they are. journey, yeah. to use yeah. that word. And we wanted to say to Australia when we were first forming, 
look at the impact of this disease on the country. Look at how many women are affected. So we planted 10,000 pink ones for the number diagnosed that year in 98 and 2,500 white ones for the number of women who would die. And it was incredibly powerful. We moved that vision around the country over the years and then it started to feel a bit like we've lost the impact here a bit. So then I thought, well, why don't we bring it to life and have real people stand in place of those silhouettes? And so that was the basis. And then where would we have it? Well, where better than on that hallowed turf? And again, it takes people's attention because they're not expecting something like that on the footy field. It was a you were a thorn in the side of the AFL though, weren't you? Because it was sheer triumph of persistence over adversity, really, that you got it over the line. And partly because breast cancer had so impacted on the AFL organisation as a yeah. whole. Yeah, it, uh, people couldn't sort of get the concept. They'd say they're going to stand in pink ponchos, and then what are they going to do? You know, they couldn't sort of get the idea. And it wasn't just the AFL, but it was all the organisations, basically, whom I needed on board, like the Melbourne Footy Club, the Melbourne Cricket Club, the um, the MCG Trust, the City of Melbourne, like there were a whole lot of players. Melbourne Footy Club, to their credit, got it immediately and said, yep, we'll be in there, we want to do this. But the MCC took a lot of work um, and it was really Jill Lindsay from the AFL in those days, the late Jill Lindsay, who at one meeting said, now listen, boys, all you're saying is no. No to everything she says. <laughs> you know, what about a bit of yes? And she actually turned the corner for us. Um, so Jill is, in fact, the the true first lady of football. She's the yeah. first and only woman to be a life member of the AFL. Yeah. Jill also died of cancer some, some years later. But at the time, Corrie, Andrew Demetriou, Ben yeah. Buckley and Ian Anderson, the CFO of the AFL, had all lost their wives to cancer. Mm. Which was to breast cancer. To breast cancer. And, mm. and I think the, the thing about BCNA, I mean, I always have to explain this to people because it, it's not about finding a cure so much for no. breast cancer. It's no. about holding the hand of people who are diagnosed because mm. when you were diagnosed – there was no one mm. for you to turn to, really, mm. was it? No, I think it's about two things. It's about that support and never having to feel alone and women sharing information with each other in the way that we want to and we have historically, not necessarily medical facts, but, you know, our experiences. This is the way I did it or this worked for me or that kind of thing. So I think that's really important. But the other thing is that Breast Cancer Network Australia was the voice for those people, influencing the way that treatment was offered, influencing the way that doctors spoke to women, influencing the kind of research that was going to be done that we felt had to be done to help, you know, raise the issues that were actually affecting the women. So a lot of women in those days used to have lymphedema, which is a, um, which is a condition of your arm when they take out the lymph nodes in your armpit and your arm swells and causes problems. I mean, I've got this 25 years later and have to have a massage every month. I'm glad I'm alive, but, you know, I'd rather not have to do that. Um, but no one was doing any research. So the women said, this is important to us. Find out how many women are affected. 
find out how we can improve it. And so the women actually drove change in that area. What about wigs? What about wigs? Well, I, I just wonder, I mean, that's always a thing that a lot of friends who, my friends who've been diagnosed say, it is just an absolute nightmare what happens to your hair. Mm. And they had no idea. And about, eyebrows and eyelashes. Yeah. And, I I just, and, and that's, that's something a couple of people have said, BCNA mm. have been fantastic well, the in guiding thing, them. Yeah. Again, the thing is the medical world, not so much now because they're way better in this sphere anyway, but they used to think, why would women even worry about that? Like, this is life and death. Why are they worrying about losing their hair or their eyelashes? But you and I all know, and the readers will all, listeners will all know, that things like that are really, really important. You don't want to look like one of those bald sort of victims. You actually want well, to you want feel to re- good about and yourself. And retain your femininity. Correct. And you're already having your boobs chopped off and you're already having all this other treatment. So at least if you can look okay, um, that helps. So, yeah, research is actually being done. They're trying these cold caps to help women maybe retain their hair through chemo. But it's that's a perfect example of what's important to women. Lynn, um, a couple of uh, observations on this. Um, someone close to all of us uh, Judy Costello, when she was diagnosed with her first breast cancer, um, we were kindergarten mothers at school together. And so she was under 40 and um, was in shock. And we were all shocked and we didn't know what this meant. We all thought this doesn't happen to young people who are 35. Mm. So there was just no knowledge whatsoever. Mm. Fast forward to, I think, um, about four years ago, I had a little lump and had to go and have a biopsy and ended up having an operation. It was all okay. But the process of going in and out and to surgeons and having biopsies and all that kind of bizzo, everywhere I went, there was Breast Cancer Network Australia paraphernalia up to the gazoo. And every waiting room I was in, I just went, hallelujah, Lynn Swinburne. In that time, so what's that, a sort of a 18, 20-year period, the the, knowledge, the lack of knowledge that Jude had, even though she was um, in the medical profession herself, she was a theatre nurse, to what had what was then available to the average bear me going in was just all credit to you, mm. all credit to you. Well, not and all the, credit and, to me though. Really, well, the gang. The I mean, gang. it's a nice line, and I love it. But uh, yeah, there were a lot of people working on this. A lot of women around the country, a lot of women who themselves were very sick and even dying felt that this was important enough to speak out and be strong about. Um, So it has really been a team effort. And I think to their credit, the medicos have really lifted their games as well. You know, at the start, we were like, come on, guys, look us in the eye, say our name, think about the impact that this has on our lives. You don't want to get through breast cancer totally crushed and defeated by the by the experience. So you had this massive task of raising money so you could then raise awareness. In other words, have all your paraphernalia printed, um, mm. have have a staff, you know, have an mm. organization, mm. pay all the bills mm. and get and get the word out there. And this this field of women was an extraordinary thing. Caro and I both went along with all of our new best friends. Remember we sat with the whole group because we were all assigned I keep thinking of the logistics, Lynn. Mm. Okay, so who has had the CAD program on their computer to design 
the shape of a woman and we're taking this shape out to the MCG. We're all allocated. Do you remember, Caro, certain rows, certain oh, spots? Oh, yes. It was much the better done that time than the time we went up to mm, Sydney. Sydney was it. a nightmare, wasn't it? It was. It oh, was at the, the old Olympic Stadium at Homebush. And yeah. then the one back here at night was a fabulous event too. Um, mm. The first year of Gillan McLaughlin's uh, CEO-ship of the AFL. But, the, but just the, the volunteer, the volunteers involved to bring us all out and to put us in the shape of a massive pink woman, mm. the joy on the field, standing mm. next to people who's, you know, to, to men whose wives had died, mm. to women who, you know, with their little hats on because they had no hair because they were in the middle of chemo and they had their little, you know, and the joy in their faces that everybody was engaged what an amazing collective moment that was. It, you, must, it was. you must have felt very proud. Well, I did. I mean, I didn't sleep for I think you for needed about, a stiff drink, oh, actually. God, yeah. <laughs> I didn't sleep for, I can't tell you how long before it, because, you know, it's all very well to have this vision in your head, but actually, is it ever going to work for all the reasons you've talked about? Um, but I remember clearly standing on the stage and saying, in amongst that, all that pink and saying, if you've had breast cancer, put your arms in the air. And I can remember the sigh from people going, oh, because people said to me afterwards, I was standing next to this gorgeous young woman who had a baby on her shoulders and she put her arms in the air. And she said, uh, this woman said, I said to her, not you. Hmm. And she said, yes, and why wouldn't it be? Mm. And there was this amazing moment there I think the feeling of being together, the feeling of um, community kind of connection, the sense of that sisterhood thing, and I include the blokes that come to that too because they're super supportive. In the first one they wore navy blue ponchos. Yes, they're doing that again. Yeah, yeah. they do that each time as an acknowledgement that there are around 150 men who are diagnosed. Each year. We should mention a couple of logistics. Mention again that it's Sunday, August the 12th. Yeah. Children can go for free, but yes. they need to register. They do. And everyone they have needs to go to with register. an adult. Yeah. So the adults register online at bcna.org.au. If you just stick Breast Cancer Network Australia or BCNA in your search engine, you'll find it. You register, it costs $59, and you get a ticket to the footy and you get this experience on the ground and you get a whole lot of goodies in your goodie bag and your backpack. And you you get the poncho. You get that amazing poncho that kind of pongs usually, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It did after being in my dress-ups cupboard for about 10 years. I know. I've got a few in the boot of my car just in case. Imagine running around. Of, <laughs> or when you're playing golf day. and say, hang on, girls, I've just <laughs> got to put my wet weather yeah, gear on. Yeah, I'll just cover the tartan in the pink plastic. I'm, I'm, not, no, I'm not normally into naming sponsors in any organisation, but your partnerships with Burley, I think Baker's Delight, yeah. uh, Red Energy, Suzanne, yeah. has been an unbelievable yeah. supporter of the BCNA. Yeah. You've, you've developed partnerships unlike many other organisations mm. that have been loyal to you for so long, Lynn. Well, I think, Corrie, when you were saying before about paying the bills, Baker's Delight took me into their office. They paid all our bills. We didn't have a computer, a phone, a chair, nothing. And we grew so much that we kind of pushed them out of their office and they had to take another floor for themselves. I should also mention you've got, although sadly you're no longer CEO of BCNA, Kirsten Pilati, your yes. late... 
She is an absolute dynamo. She is. Is she and the new Lynn? Is she the new she CEO? Is. Yeah. She is. She's been involved with BCNA for a long time. Yes, she, she totally is. gets it. She's a smart, whip smart. Well, she's younger than me anyway. And her partner, Craig Moore, actually runs 3AW football. So as a pair, they sort of rather hound my lives in many, yeah. <laughs> in many, in so, many different but she ways. But has, she gets the women and the women get her. It's yep. so important, that heart in the organisation. <laughs>